Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello and welcome to this 12th episode of This Spiritual Fix from season four. Today we are going to be having a bit of a fun, light episode asking the question, am I the asshole or AITI? We are joined in this episode by a special guest, Stephanie Joplin, who hosts the Luxury Dropout Podcast. Enjoy. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Hey, Christina. Hey, Anna. And hey, Stephanie. Hey, Anna. Hey, Christina. We have Stephanie Joplin here today. She's actually visiting me and my family, and she has a podcast. That's actually where we met through her podcast, the Luxury Dropout Podcast. That, and this is one of the great examples of the gifts of the podcast because we met Stephanie through that. That's so true. Yeah. I'm so excited to be here with yes. you. Yes. And one of the things we did is the other day we watched Adam Family Values together. And when it was over, we were like, oh my gosh, Morticia Adams is the quintessential divine feminine and Gomez Adams is the quintessential divine masculine. So we kind of wanted to talk about that in our prelude today. Awesome. Awesome. But I also want to point out that I love, Stephanie, that you're here for a third voice. This is something obviously we haven't done before. Normally we interview our guests. It's kind of Anna and I and then the guest. And so this is a nice new configuration. We always like to, to stir things up in terms of our format. And Stephanie, you present such a an unique and interesting voice too, because you are, as you said before the episode, I'm single, so I can yes. give people that perspective. Yes, yes. And definitely my examples will be vastly different from, you know, someone in a family dynamic. Yeah, because yeah. we've been married, Chris and I've been married for like a decade or more. Married and to then- each other. Yeah. And also to our partners. <laughs> our partners. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to say that y- y'all's episode that you did on my show is to date one of my favorites. Yeah. Top three, for sure. I just... I always think about that. It was a year ago now almost. Wow. And I always and I feel like it changed my life. So thank you guys. Wow. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. So tell me about the Adams family. I like vaguely remember this. And when you guys are pointing it out, I'm like, oh yeah, that's really true. But like tell me about this. Like what did you guys see? Yeah. So we we were discussing with Eric and his husband. We were we were discussing about how First of all, we talked about how Gomez is this epitome of the divine masculine. He's secure in himself. He's a devoted 
family man, a devoted husband. He is, you know, affable and warm. He is secure in himself at all times, no matter what, even if things go completely awry, he's, he stays grounded and holds space for the women and men, other men in his family, the kids, the extended family, his brother. So he, to me, is like, why can't all men be like Gomez Adams? He's also madly in love with Morticia. Mm -hmm. He also takes no shame in finding her sexually attractive. Mm -hmm. You know, he makes references to that throughout. And one thing he does, which I love, is no matter how spooky or weird or creepy or homicidal Morticia is, (laughs) he just loves her. Yeah, He embraces Oliver. And I love how the Adams family is in some ways represents our shadow, right? Like the Adams family is all the creepy and they're spooky. It's all this dark stuff. And the Adams family just embrace it. Kind of like, we're going to embrace your totality. And I feel like Gomez Adams and Morticia do that. They embrace the totality of the darkness in everyone in the family. And they have one of the most loving families Mm-hmm. I think that you can find in Hollywood. Can I also, can I also just like, sorry, this is like a weird memory. You guys can verify this. I feel like he gives all of the love languages, right? Like he doesn't just have one. Is that right? Like he's always like physically physical. touching her and telling her how beautiful she all is. Yeah. And he spends a lot of time. He He's acts of service. All, I mean, there's, he yeah. does pretty much all of them. Yeah, for sure. Right. Like, Autonomy. He gives all of them. Yeah. 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 Right. Which to More- me, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry Stephanie. No, go ahead, Chris, please. I was just going to say the only the only thought being that like in some reason recently I've like come to kind of understand that like when we limit our love language to only giving in a certain way, like and it doesn't jive with the other person, then a lot of ways that's a very like exclusionary love. That's like, okay, you can only I'm only going to give you love in this way and I'm not going to give it to you in the other ways. And the totality of like embracing love in all its aspects is being like maybe it's more of like a sign that you've like really embraced that is that you can maybe flow more easily between all of them. Mm -hmm. And speaking of flow, that's how I feel about Morticia. She is, if you even watch her move during the production of the film, she's always flowing and it's projects this beautiful divine feminine. And she's always, you know, she's wearing sexy clothes, even though she's a mom. And she says, Hey, you know what? I need help. I'm going to hire a homicidal nanny. No big deal. Um, But she admits that she needs the help. It's okay. You know, just like when we were thinking about 90s shows, we, you know, we, I think I reread an article that was saying, you know, in the 90s, they'd never ask for help. It's always like three men raising all these five kids, like Full House or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And it's, and she actually says, you know what? I do need help. I want to fight the hellish crusade or whatever she says. And, And Gomez is like, yeah. No problem. Mm-hmm. Let's hire a nanny. And there's like some quote where she says to her husband, she's like, you were an absolute creep last night. You got to do it again. Yeah. You know, like she just <laughs> embraces all of his weird quirks and she's not afraid to be weird and she's not afraid to be witchy and bad and dark. And, and I think she just encompasses beautifully the divine feminine. And then Wednesday she is talking with some girl at camp or some girl at school. And the girl's like, and then the stork flew into the flower patch and there was a diamond and the diamond turned into a baby. And then Wednesday says, my parents had sex. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that. That's so beautiful to me. Yeah. The, the totters being raised to be empowered. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that. 
I love that. That's like, that's like my daughter did that the other day. What was it? What was going on? I mean, cause I live, you know, we're on a farm and we're like very like yeah. physiological in our descriptions, especially my seven-year-old and, and somebody made some euphemism about it. And she's like, no, they're mating. Like she's like, <laughs> she's like no, they're mating. <laughs> like that's what's happening. Like someone's like, yeah, they're just joining together. She's like, no, they're mating. They're making babies. <laughs> It's like I'm talking about his conception. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where he was conceived. Yeah, so we go to the bank. I don't know if I told you this, Chris. We go to the bank, and he's getting his first bank account. And the bank clerk is like, okay, so what's your phone number and your address? And luckily, he had a memorized. She asked his date of birth, his full name and spelling. When she's done, he goes, don't you want to know my date of conception? they were telling me where they were conceived yeah like like your daughter says oh I was conceived in Aruba I'm like that sounds great <laughs> yeah we're very shame free over here <laughs> I love that yeah that that's that's amazing I love that I gave my kids the tour of the house that my husband and I built like when we went back there a couple of months ago we did the same thing I was like this is a room you were conceived in this is a more room you were born in it's just like yeah, it's really very good to give them a sense of history. <laughs> yes, very Morticia. You just yeah. need a tight black dress now, Chris. And you yeah, exactly. Tight. Very yeah, tight. very tight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Chris, what are we actually talking about today? Uh, we are talking about Am I the Asshole? Um, <laughs> which is obviously the name of a very popular and very entertaining subreddit, but that's not exactly what we're talking about today. We're, today we're going to be talking about this fascinating intersection of our work that we do with our wounds, with our self-improvement, and how that intersects with the creation of healthy boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. And so in a nutshell, when we do a bunch of work and we kind of come into this very empowered place, can feel like a very empowered place where you're taking responsibility for all of your stuff, right? There can be a tendency to want to bypass other people's culpability in arguments, other people's culpability in breaking boundaries or things like that, because you're just like, oh, maybe I don't have a healthy boundary or maybe I don't have, you know, it's like the, the response placing the responsibility on yourself to try and kind of diffuse anything because you're like, Oh, well, this must be my wound. This is my abandonment wound speaking. Oh, totally. 100%. I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't create a boundary over here because that's, that's needy or that's, you know, codependent or that's whatever it is, right? Like this is what we're talking about. And, and kind of in the greater context of the father wound, and the father discussions that we're having in this second half of the season is it's really, really important for us to recognize that, you know, we talk about how the mother is indiscriminate. She's everything. She has no boundaries, right? Like she's like, you're included, you're included, your death, your life, your whatever, you're rotting, you're sweet, you're whatever. It's all in the mother. And the father comes in and takes and creates boundaries, right? When we are in our most enlightened form, maybe, or most embodied form, maybe we don't need boundaries, right? But we are humans having a human experience and we have material that is precious and needs to be protected for a time, whether it's for a moment, whether it's for a month, whether it's for a lifetime, whether it's for 10 lifetimes, whatever it is, 
the understanding that we the healthy expression of of the father right the, those divine masculine aspects of creating boundaries is necessary in order to live our full life in a way that we feel safe and comfortable and we can express ourselves until we no longer need that boundary so one of the reasons why we wanted to do this episode is as stephanie is you know a young single woman and most of her friends are young single women she has run into this a lot in her life and I've run into it with my marriage. So Stephanie, can you give some examples of like this dichotomy of boundary and no boundary? Absolutely. So, you know, I think I started this journey, this, the spiritual journey, you know, really self-regulating and understanding my brain and understanding why I have anxiety, where that comes from, identifying my abandonment wound, identifying where that abandonment wound came from, which is loss of control. You know, all of those things, you know, I, I have had these, I, I feel like these enlightened moments, you know, throughout the past, the past year and a half. However, I've run into a problem, which is, as you said, Chris, it's like I bypass my gut feeling, my gut reaction, and I I place blame squarely on my own wounding instead of, you know, having my partner or my friend or whoever the relationship is to actually give them the responsibility. Now, of course, I have to take some responsibility that I allow the behavior But in the end, you really have to say to yourself, is this person adding value to my life? Are they constantly triggering me? Are they constantly making me question my wounding and and my healing? If so, you may want to reevaluate that person's presence in your life. And recently, Anna and I did a lot of discussion over this guy I was dating and she and I were both like bypassing. I was, I was her bypass coach. Yeah, we were both. <laughs> you were facilitating her bypass. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, he didn't call you back when he said he was. Don't worry. That's just your abandonment wound. Yeah, oh that was horrible. That was horrible. <laughs> you weren't horrible. She was helping me the best way that she possibly could. And she kind of like leading me. She was just like helping me analyze things and thinking about it in a different way. But you know, instinctually, I knew there was something wrong, but mm. till that huge red flag, and I mean that the big one, the big stop showstopper red flag happened, I didn't get it. And I should have, there were so many red flags, mm-hmm. so many, like all of a sudden he went from calling me, you know, and communicating all throughout the day and nighttime, being on FaceTime with me at night because we were temporarily long distance to saying, oh, I can't be on FaceTime at night because my roommates get upset. And then it was, oh, I'm gonna move in with this girl from the gym, but she's a lesbian, you know? And then it was, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it was, wow. oh, there's he has a whole other girlfriend that he's been with mm-hmm. for four weeks. But the flags were all there, but I was just saying, oh, it's me, it's my abandonment stuff. It's, you know, I need to not take it so personally, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just all my stuff. And, and really it was all his stuff and he was the asshole and not me. Right. So and then I, and then I had a friend, similar story where like, she was dating this guy and it was triggering her abandonment wound. And I'd be like, this is a great opportunity. 
he's just a tuning fork for your unhealed abandonment wound trauma. This is great. And then fast forward, she discovers he's also cheating (laughs) after analyzing her quote unquote overreactions ad nauseum, the answer was far more simple. He yes. was the asshole. Yes. <laughs> right. 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 And it's interesting because this, this like harkens me back. God, who says that? Harkens me back to the intimacy episode that we talked about last season, where I was talking mm-hmm. about the analogy of the bridge, right? Of how like when you are trying to create a form of intimacy with someone, you need to extend and they need to extend and then love can flow between it. Right. But the thing is, is that if you're building your, your, bridge in abandonment wound territory like they were in abandonment wound territory too right like you know what i mean like it's not like you're extending your abandonment wound to this like totally healed perfect place that this other person's coming from they're a mirror yeah they're gonna be a mirror they're also sitting in abandonment wound territory right so when you can feel that something is going when something feels bad in your body right when you can feel that there's like like you said whether they're gut instincts or things like that like you can sure as shit know that they're resonating at their abandonment place and they be and they may be actively you know actively not just triggering a wound but like expressing the a wound right or the mask or something along those lines or inflicting it kind of thing yeah and inflicting do, it thank you yes i do want to say too you know there's a lot and perhaps some of your listeners are are not quite there yet either but my i have friends that have needed my help that have asked for my guidance that come to me with, you know, crying and, and with their, their issues and their relationships. And I can give them the best advice ever from everything that I've learned. But if they, you know, if they don't have the ability to really take it in and make it their own and understand it on their own, they'll, they'll never, that, that advice will never be useful to them, maybe eventually in the future. But I, my perspective is, listen, I've been exactly where you are. Let me help you bypass all the lessons. And maybe that too is not very helpful because mm-hmm. they're not ready to move forward. Oh yeah. We can, we all can think of someone who's in a situation work or romantically where we can see so clearly they need to get the fuck out of there and they're just not able to see it. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that something's happening with that. Yeah. And we'll, we'll definitely get into that when we talk about all the boundaries, right. And kind of yeah. the different aspects of it. Cause that's the thing with boundaries. They're super personal, right? They they come from, mm-hmm. they, they come forth from the wellspring of our own experience, right? And they're highly, highly personalized. So we can, we can try and give them to other people, but it not, won't necessarily always do that. So yeah. yeah. So speaking of boundaries, I want to talk about seven different types of boundaries, sexual, emotional, spiritual, financial, time, and non-negotiable. So let me go a little bit more into explaining what they are and what they might look like. So a physical boundary would be protection of some sort of physical space or physical property. For example, in our home, we have a sign on the door that says, please take off your shoes before entering the home because we have dogs and children. And I also just don't like the mess. So that's a boundary in my home. Please take off your shoes. So, you know, that's a very obvious physical boundary. Then we have sexual boundaries. A common one might be no sex or no kissing on the first date. One for me would be that my partner, if we're going to have unprotected sex, they need to show me an STD bill of health. You check. Mm-hmm. What about you, Stephanie? Well, for me, I have a very specific one that I can think of, which is there was this very famous football player who I went on a date with. And halfway during the date, he tells me, okay, well, if we kiss, it has to lead to sex. It has to. 
And I was like, come again, like <laughs> not really come again, but don't come. <laughs> don't come. And so, you know, it, it, it really abruptly ended my good mood because, you know, for me, I was already at a point, I was already 30 at that time. So I already said to myself, I don't need to have sex with this person to validate myself, which is where I was in my twenties. And so I immediately, the date went sour and the date ended. And, you know, later on, I, I, I heard a lot of stories about this particular football player, quote unquote, manipulating, allegedly manipulating women into having sex. But I, I can actually see that because the pressure, when you meet someone famous or a famous athlete or someone, if you're starstruck, a a lot, a lot of younger women. And I, I just, say this because I've seen it with my own two eyeballs, they feel pressure to just have sex with them because they're famous. And like, I think about, I'm like, what if John Mayer just walked up to me and was like, you, me. And that's different because I would want that. (laughs) I'm totally fine with it. But, you know, for this guy, it's almost like, you know what, I'll date you if you have sex with me. And then they just, they just ghost. So I guess that's a huge boundary for me is like when they start the sexual stuff too soon, like whether via text or pressure, pre- yeah. yeah. Or just like really octopus hands. I'm just like, stop. Like mm-hmm. it's important. Sex is so important. Don't get me wrong y'all, but like it's just reserve it for when we have some kind of intimacy and then yeah. it will be fire. It's so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's yeah. mine. Yeah. And, and to kind oh, of, ahead to kind of bring it out to the physical and kind of touch again on the father wound with this one, which is a really difficult kind of way of looking at this is that we can have healthy boundaries when it comes to the physical world within our own personal constructs, right? A lot of the issues that we're seeing today right now, which is the expression of the father wound is inclusion based on physical characteristics. You're a person of color, you're white, you're a man, you're a woman, you're, you know, you have a uterus, you don't like all of these things that we're seeing right now are basically the corruption of creating boundaries that are superficial, that are based on physical characteristics that somebody does that somebody doesn't actually have control over, right? So you can kind of like, I know this is kind of definitely far out from like, you know, don't wear your shoes inside, but like, it's, it's very important to recognize that the, the span of our physical experience is very big. So there are so many boundaries that can be created within the physical space. And it's really important for us to recognize that, you know, right now we see that a lot. We see, we see the, the corruption of the creation of artificial boundaries that are not fair. They're not inclusionary. They're not equal. They're not any of these different things. Right. And you know, to recognize when we've actually created those boundaries in ourselves. Like that's something that you can look up. That's an introspective work that you can be like, do I actually have a boundary against somebody because they don't have, they don't look the same to me or they don't do anything like that. It may be very, very, very subconscious. Like maybe on the top and the front, you're, you're an ally, you're doing everything like that. But I think it's really important in the work to recognize. And I know I have been through that journey over the last two, three years in particular to just like recognize that like my upbringing created physical boundaries, created physical inclusions, you know, having grown up in a, as a, you know, in the South, like, and to, to recognize that, that those were, that those boundaries that were created, those like exclusions were actually racist, right? even though I didn't mean them to be. So, you know, kind of pulling out the physical, like it's it's a hugely broad topic that we're starting on. But, you know, I just kind of wanted to, to put that down there is like, 
an important characteristic when you're looking at boundaries to how do I create a healthy physical boundary? And also how do I look at the boundaries that I may have inherited mm. that are not healthy anymore? Very good. Yeah. Yes. So the third boundary to discuss here are emotional boundaries. An example would that would be, I'm not ready to discuss this topic or please don't criticize me in front of your parents. So things like that, that affect your emotions. I know for me, after listening to the Jay Fields episode, and also by the way, Stephanie interviewed Jay Fields as well. And it even goes into more depth about autonomic regulation is I'm starting to make a boundary myself, which is to recognize when I'm out of regulation, that I'm out of balance and not to engage in emotional discussions at that time, because I realized like no good will come of that. I'm just not in an emotionally safe place. So I'm learning to recognize my own autonomic nervous state to make a boundary about when is an appropriate and not appropriate time to, even though you want to rescue. Yeah. Even though I want to rescue or attack or fight or flee or whatever, I'm trying my best to be like, actually what I need to do here is just regulate. Yeah. What about you, Christina? What's a, an emotional boundary you, you feel like you experience? I can think of a fair number. I would say probably, yeah, just like where and when you can accept criticism, whether or not you're ready to accept criticism. For me, that's something that I have, like that was kind of my regular as a kid was experiencing criticism. So for me, when even even criticism in the form of advice, right? Which is like that super veiled thing, right? Which is just like, I'm gonna give you advice because I'm trying to help you. I see and I see a thing here that needs to be addressed and therefore I'm going to come in and help you. And you're just like, okay, that actually just feels like criticism. It doesn't feel like advice. And, and I need to be ready to accept that. Like I need to be in a place where I'm ready to accept that. And I may never be, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I like that one where, when, who, all are important when creating a boundary. Boundaries can be, they may not be hard and fast. Like, you know, Anna, you, you tell me a criticism and I'm usually just like, oh yeah, you're right. I got it, right? <laughs> Cause we've been through that, right? Like, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm like kind of almost always open unless I'm dysregulated, like you said, if I'm dysregulated or if I'm in a place where the two of us, and then I'm just like, oh fuck, I don't wanna, I don't wanna accept anything right now. Right. So, Cause it's funny you say that my, my mom actually, I was talking with her the other day. I'm starting this mineral and crystal, like a gemstone shop online. And my mom was giving me some suggestions or her sort of notes on everything. And at the end of the discussion, she was like, what did you do with our Stephanie? And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, a year ago, you would have blown up on us for trying to, you know, limit your creativity or change things around and you would have cried or you would have been angry. And now you're just so calm. And I'm like, well, I am definitely (laughs) better emotionally regulated. (laughs) So I don't take it as criticism anymore. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. All right. Spiritual boundaries. That would be protecting your own spiritual beliefs. So an example, this is hilarious. And luckily, most of my family and friends are on board with this one, which is I will not sign a contract when Mercury is in retrograde. <laughs> that's an astrological boundary. Yeah, is that like a subset of a spiritual boundary? Subset of a spiritual boundary. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Another one would be, for example, I'm going to go to church alone because my partner doesn't want to go, but I'm still going to make that a priority. You know, like that would be a spiritual boundary or just, you know, like maybe declaring, okay, every morning I need my quiet time to meditate. No one can interrupt me. It's yeah. like that. Yeah. I think um, 
it, it reminds me of there's that line in the movie Dogma from so long ago, right? Which was about like the apostle Chris Rock apostle was talking to the uh, the last scion and he was talking about how it's about not about beliefs it's about having good ideas as opposed to having beliefs right so for me my only spiritual boundary is literally not having somebody else's ideas imposed on me as if i need to believe that or i need to be judged because i'm not doing theirs right all right. Financial boundaries have to do with protecting your finances. So that would be an example of like agreeing before going out to eat, like, Hey, let's split the bill or we're going to take turns or maybe, you know, being adamant if you go to work and your coworkers invite you out and say, you know, I'm bringing my, my lunch to work this week. And one thing I love to, to just kind of put a, as a side note in here is I think it was Louise Hay or maybe Shakti Gaiwan. They said, when you are doing things like that, like protecting your finances, instead of saying, I can't afford to eat out today, because that's putting out there in the universe that like, you can't afford it. And then you're going to attract more of that. You can just put it into a different way of phrasing, like, you know what, that's not really in my budget right now. And, you know, I'm going to protect my budget and I'm going to bring my lunch from home and protecting your budget or honoring your budget. Hey, your budget could be $2 billion, right? Budget is kind of anything. So instead of phrasing it, like I can't afford this just to rephrase it, like, you know what, that's not in my budget right now. Mm -hmm. So that's just like a little side piece. Mm -hmm. uh, Stephanie, do you have an example of financial boundaries? Yes, I, I definitely do. And this happened to a friend of mine. And I think a friend of yours as well, <laughs> the same thing, oh, same which thing. is buying gifts for someone and then holding them over their heads. That is something that really grinds my gears. I'll say if you're going to buy me something or give me a gift of any kind, it doesn't have to be a tangible gift. It could be the gift of your time. It could be the gift of, you know, a, a, a vacation, what, whatever it is, you cannot hold that over the person's head. And, and I used to do this. So I can speak from personal experience where I used to say, but I did all this stuff for you. How can you leave me? How can you do this to me? And, you know, that is a very wounded place. That is a really sad place to be and a very controlling and a manipulative place to be. So I always, if someone gives me a big gift, I always preface it. And I, I don't sound ungrateful, but I just make it clear, you know, I just, that it's, it's a gift and that once no strings given, attached. no yeah. strings are attached to the gift. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I would also add that like with financial boundaries in general, that it's really important in a partnership when you're creating mutual, you're creating a mutual financial structure, whatever it is, whether it's you're keeping things separate or you're keeping them in a joint pool that everybody needs to find what is the free expression and, and what is also like the balance of, I think it's Dave Ramsey of all people. Never thought I'd mention his name on our podcast, but that Dave Ramsey talks about the free spirit and the conservative spender, right? And how they basically have to come together that like, that, that as a free spirit spender myself, I feel limited in a lot of ways when, or I did, I felt very limited when basically my partner's financial boundary would come into my space and it felt like I was working so hard and I never got to actually see any of the benefits. I didn't even have like a little tiny money, like even like 150 or $200 to just be like, I want to do whatever the fuck I want and not have to talk to anybody about this. Right. And, you know, kind of really, if you're having fights with your partner, 
about money, it's really important to recognize that both of you can probably find a really healthy place in which both boundaries may have to compromise a little bit, right? Like you might have to kind of move those around a little bit, but that you guys can both be happy because it's really important that, I mean, we can talk about that a little bit later with shared boundaries, but I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I think it's a really good one. I have a question for you guys. Yeah. Do you think, you know, being married now for a while, at a certain point when you're dating, you can't bypass the fact that you can't date too much outside of your financial capabilities. And I'm not talking about you, like, I'm not talking about, I, oh, I make $200,000 a year. I definitely don't. But I, you know, I come from a solid family who is always my safety net, who can help me, who can support me. And I have found whenever I have dated a man who doesn't have, doesn't come from that or doesn't have the capability of making a lot of money, I find that we tend to clash a lot and it makes it really difficult for the man to be, I mean, obviously he maybe isn't fully healed (laughs) anyways, but I find it difficult. I find it really difficult to keep that alive because I feel like I get resented. Yeah. It's diff- it, in a kind of similar example, I remember when I was backpacking in Thailand and a friend that I had met at a Vipassana retreat in New Zealand, she and I met in Thailand and she was an heiress. And I was trying to go around the world with like $15,000 for an entire year. And yeah. so for me, I was literally staying in like one and $2 a night guest house. Right. And so we were traveling together. So she was limited by my budget. Right. But she's sitting here like this heiress who's just like, it eventually, it it ended very dramatically with me being incredibly ill and, you know, and her just being like, fuck this. It was, we were staying in a hovel. Like it was so bad. Right. But I totally get it. Like at the time I was just like, how could you just leave me? like so ill, like literally not even able to get out of bed. And she just like dropped off some water and she's like, see ya. And we never saw each other. But like at the same time, like, you know, that was, that was really important for her and her boundary because her boundary of like, why am I even traveling if I'm going to stay in these absolutely terrible places? Like, what am I doing for myself? Like that was necessary for her to express her boundary at that point because she had handled a lot of really shitty places up until that point. It was a little dramatic, but you know, it's a, it's a kind of an example of that, right? Where it's like, you're gonna have to go to somebody else's standard, right? Like if you have a really well-off person, if you have like someone who doesn't have a lot, either the well-off person's gonna have to go to the lower places if you insist on things being equal or the, the more well-off person's gonna have to pull the other person up, which is then gonna, gonna create another inequality. So the sixth type of boundary here is the time boundary, which I really love because this was kind of like a, a one that I learned a couple years ago. And time boundary is basically about respecting time. So for example, I have my own business and anyone who owns their own business knows that it's like not a nine to five situation. It's like a 24 seven kind of thing. Like it's, you're just kind of always on. And I remember about two years ago, I changed the voice greeting on my work phone to say messages left after 3 PM will be returned the next day. And I have like this boundary now that basically after 3.30, I do not answer my business line. I have a dual SIM phone so I can recognize when incoming calls are, are business versus personal. And I basically learned to just stop answering my phone after 3.30 PM on weekdays because I was like answering the phone constantly. I would be having dinner with my kids and get up and go take a call outside. And it was like really, really, really bad boundaries with work and home life. So like, I just made that a thing like, okay, I'm not answering business calls on the weekend and I'm not answering business calls after three 30. And it's really, really of my stress. Good. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. 
I think, I think it's interesting because I think time, financial and emotional are all versions of energy and how they express themselves in the world, right? So like where you're spending your time, how you're feeling and, you know, where money is a form of energy, right? Like they're all just like, how are you choosing you, your, your ability to choose how you use your energy, right? Mm -hmm. And figuring out like, you know, that when you get to a point when your energy is being used by someone else or you're allowing it to be used by someone else again this goes back to the am i the asshole are they using it or am i allowing them to use it right mm -hmm. either way mm -hmm. you know it's important for us to recognize that energy is something that is it's freely available but it also for us as we are growing as people have to understand that we attach ownership to our own energy right we're human, so we attach ownership to our own energy, and we have to recognize yeah. and protect. That's kind it. of what the boundaries are all about, right? Like, yeah, are you going to share your energy or not, kind of thing? Yeah, I, I I picked up a poster at an art installation a couple of years ago in Atlanta, and it just said "Protect Your Energy," and I was <laughs> like, at first, I was like, really. I really that felt uncomfortable to me because I was like, why is it about protection? Because I have this thing about protection, right? But then I was just like, I'm getting as I'm getting better with boundaries, I'm starting to recognize how reasonable of a, a statement that is to put on mm -hmm. a poster. Yeah. All right. The last one here is the non-negotiable boundary. So these are boundaries that you will absolutely not negotiate. For example, for others with a betrayal wound, it might be infidelity, right? Everyone might have their own based on their wounding or their history. I'll tell my non-negotiable story that I didn't even know I had. <laughs> this goes back maybe five or six years ago when I was absolutely horrible with boundaries. Like, I don't think I ever put a firm boundary on anyone. And there was a person refused to let me check the car seat safety. So being a physical therapist, I've seen what can happen in car accidents. I've had patients die because of car accidents. I've had patients be paralyzed. I've even had them go blind because of the airbag imploding on their face and, and scarring their cornea. So like car safety is a big deal to me. And this person was very blase about using a car seat with my kid and would say things like, well, back in my day, I didn't even use a car seat and I turned out fine. And, and I negotiated with them. I was like, look, I'll check the car seat. I'll, I'll install the car seat and just pr promise never to uninstall it and, and it'll be fine. And this person just like refused to respect this boundary, which I thought was very fucking obvious. Like I need my daughter's skull and spine to stay safe in a car. You know, like, I didn't think I was asking for too much. The end of the story is basically this person. I said to this person, like, you can either, you can either follow my boundaries here with car seat safety, or my daughter's not allowed in a car with you. And I was just like, all right, you choose peace out. That was one of the first and only people I've like really put a firm boundary on with, but like, I can't negotiate on that. It's also illegal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's also a good illegal. boundary. <laughs> I think it was just like, I was just like, this is so ridiculous. Anyway. So that was my non-negotiable. <laughs> What's your no, oh, no, you my, go ahead, Stephanie. Yeah. So I was thinking about it as we've been talking and I think that my non-negotiable is I feel like this is a trigger word for people now because people use it too often, but being gaslit or being manipulated is really, I mean, that just sends me into orbit. I can't, I have to really try to emotionally regulate myself. I'll give a very strong example. I've had this year, I've had so much growth that I actually had two people that I was willing to have an open relationship with. Right. I said, you know, I said to myself, I feel confident enough that 
I can be in a relationship with this person and try to open it up because I know that this particular person likes affection from multiple people. And I understood that and was self-aware enough to offer that. And neither of them wanted it. And it was so weird because in reality, that's what they do. They just serial cheat all the time. And I offered it to them on a silver platter and they were like, I'm good. They would rather cheat. They would rather cheat. And that just drives me crazy because when I offered it to Jay, he was like, you just want to have sex with other guys. You just want to be with other men. And I'm like, listen, you are not about to gas gaslight me about this. This has taken me a lot of time to get to this place to even yeah. offer this to you. And he, and, but then he ended up cheating. <laughs> I offered it to you, sir. Right. Like, are we well? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it just proves how much cheating is not about sex with other people. Yeah, it's about power. Yeah, deception. It's yeah, a lot other of things. things. Yeah. yeah, and I've changed my non-negotiable because it's very hard. This is very hard for me. This is one of my lessons that I'm going through right now. Is that I see people. I mean, like we we all do it, but like see people, and I'm just like because literally my job as a client is like to have clients. My job is to see people's wounds and to help them through it, it is incredibly difficult for me to create a boundary that's like, that's not acceptable to me, right? Because like every single person who comes to me, I like fully accept them with open arms, all of their wounds and everything. So it is so, so, and I'm not saying it's more difficult for me. I'm just saying, I'm not, it's not comparative, if you know what I mean. It's just like- but What if I wanted to take your kids to Atlanta without car seats? What would well no 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 I have one I have one okay. I, don't give me your card <laughs> I like, one. don't I like don't impose seat. your boundary on me Anna <laughs> oh don't judge me for not having your boundary I do have your boundary but no my boundary is back is talking behind people's backs well, it comes from a wounded place it comes from a place where I like that's happened historically all the time but if someone is not totally open and honest and have integrity and is able to say something that they're willing to say to me to my face like that is to me that that is a non-negotiable because I just I feel like I feel like any sort of deception in that way is just it, it implies weakness in the person you're hiding it from or malice. We, I, I, like I like that, that you said it implies weakness in the per yeah that really resonates with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I th I used to talk bad about people by the way. I know. I mean, huh? <laughs> I know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, and I joined you in it. <laughs> I stopped though. Yeah. I would like make jokes at people's expenses. And then like one time I was at a pool party for my classmates and I made some joke about a professor and everybody laughed, but this one girl didn't. And she looked at me and, um, and she says, I don't trash talk people. Mm. And she said it. But she didn't say it in a judgment. I can't explain it. She didn't say it in a judgy way. Like, how dare you trash talk? She was just like, I'm not involved in that. Like, I have a boundary and I'm not going to trash talk. And I'm not going to laugh at your joke. And that like really touched me. Yeah. And I think like it was in that time that I stopped doing it. And I don't want to do it or do it anymore. Yeah. My, mine was more dramatic. I was working as a professional actress in this tiny little tourist town in Indiana when I was like living off grid like ages ago. And it was like classic. I started bad talking the director with a hot mic. <gasps> ah! Oh. Yeah. 
No. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Have you ever done the screenshot to someone who you were talking to about someone? Like you were talking right. about the person and you screenshot and it you and screenshot share it. it the wrong person. No. And you send it to that person you were talking about. Oh my God. No. Have you done that more than once? <laughs> yep. But oh it wasn't gosh. necessarily me talking badly about them. It was more like me bitching. It was more like, oh my God, can you believe this? But like, yeah. I guess that is shit talking. That is shit talking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, all good. that's all good. Very funny. <laughs> I learned my lesson. Let's just say that. Yes. All right. Let's go to bypass. So yeah, we touched on this earlier, right? I had these, the, I've been having these relationships, you know, dating boyfriends, things like that. And I have been blaming myself, my own wounding, my own shit for the, the triggers, you know, that they, they just, they basically, it was like a minefield of mousetraps and they just like went through all of the mousetraps, just like ran bulldozed them all over. And I still was on the other end, like, oh, well, you know, I put the mousetraps there. So maybe that's my fault. You know, like it was just and, and, you know, discussing with friends, especially with Anna and, you know, I'd say, well, you know, I'm just so sad. I haven't heard from him like all day, not even a phone call. And, you know, he's, he says he's busy and I, I totally get it. I totally understand he's busy and I want him to be able to build his career. I need to stop being so controlling. It's just me worried that he's going to leave me. And in the end, it was just red flags that I was just completely missing. And as we are healing and as we are doing all of this work, it's important to understand that, you know, you can't take accountability for everybody. You can only take accountability for yourself and how you react and, mm -hmm. and, and your thoughts. And so on the other, on the, on the other end of that is, am I Ho'oponopono everything too much? You know, like, do I just wash it away mm -hmm. without, really, you know, thinking, thinking too deeply, it's, it's surface level in actuality. So when you're in this space of learning and healing, sometimes you think too much, sometimes you analyze too much. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who actually does go on that subred called, am I the asshole, which I'll link in the show notes. Sometimes it's astounding. Like someone will come in and be like, am I the asshole? Because, and it's like so clear that they are not the asshole. Mm -hmm. And it's like, like people will respond, like, what planet have you been living on for the last 10 years that you possibly think that you're in the wrong for making this boundary? Like, that's actually very scary in some re respects, especially with like domestic violence or interpersonal relationships where there's definitely a power, power dichotomy between mm -hmm. a man and a woman mm -hmm. of like, of just to see people in there asking these questions. And you're like, no, like, where did you even get to the idea that this was even like, Right. How could you ever be the asshole? Right? right. And so my, my big fear here is like, how do we know when we're the ones being the asshole and when is it the partner? When is it the cousin or like the workmate? Like, yeah. 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 I, I, I have, I have a couple of thoughts about that. So it's interesting you say that Anna, because, you know, we've talked a lot about therapy and about how therapy has kind of a time and a place I feel like in a lot of people's lives. And, you know, I, think that one thing that I know is very beneficial with therapists is that I feel like they're very well versed in healthy boundaries, right? They kind of have a repository of like, this is considered a healthy boundary for you to say this and, and for you. So if you're going into the space where you're in a wounded place and you're like, I cannot tell what is a healthy boundary here, 
like going to a therapist, someone who specializes in mental health things, or somebody who you trust, who you kind of know has that view is a very, very useful thing that has recently happened to me. And I cannot tell you how amazing it was to have somebody who was like, very, very well versed in a healthy boundary wasn't coming from like, you know, it was just was able to be like, no, 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 this is very, she was like, I tell all adults to have this boundary. I tell all adults to have this. And I was like, oh, shit. I never even considered that that would be something that that all well, adults should what's the have. Boundary? What's the boundary? So the boundary was that it's kind of speaks to what I was talking about in terms of, of, of advice is that you should always ask to see if what somebody's like, you should always ask to see if someone is able to take advice. Hey, are you willing yeah. to hear some advice on this right now? Yeah. Is like or a like question. I love that, yeah. Do you want me to make, do you want me to come for you or do you want a resolution? Yeah. Right. I like do that. Want, are you, do you want me to be a Venus, a, a Venusian yeah. or a Martian right now? Yeah. Like, my feedback and observations, or do you just need to vent? Like yeah, there's a lot right. of ways to ask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's kind of, that's kind of the, the, what was enlightening for me. So that's one thing I think too, I, you know, I don't know how much we talked about this, but I think it's really important to, to recognize too, that like when something feels like Stephanie, you were talking about it exactly earlier, right? When we were talking about like, what does it feel like in your body? Like, are you, are you, is this causing you so much distress that you are literally trying to dissolve it? with your mind, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. You're trying to resolve it. You're trying to move it. You're trying to like make it fit in your body and it doesn't fit. <laughs> like it does not fit in your body at all. And you're trying to come up with some sort of construct that exists somewhere in the world that says that whatever this person has done is okay. That's your indication that you need a boundary. That right? absolutely 100% mm -hmm. fact right there. Yeah. And yeah, and and, it, and it's interesting because, you know, we have all different types of boundaries. And I was mentioning earlier about kind of like shared boundaries. And I think that that's what a therapist can do. And I think it's really important that we recognize that there are definitely shared boundaries that we all have as humans that are really good to know. Like, how, how do you argue? Like we talked about, I mean, we've had so many episodes about like, what is a good way to argue? Don't mind read when you argue for instance, is a great one, right? You know, especially if you're a psychic intuitive and you're listening to this, like oh, don't mind read your partner, right? Like don't psychic, don't, don't be intuitive to your partner almost ever, unless they give you permission. Like I will tell you that as a psychic intuitive, like never do that because it's such a violation of a boundary that is just like all psychic intuitives should know, right? That you need consent, right? You can't pull that knowledge into the relationship just because you know, right? And so, you know, that, that being that. what I can't imagine how you deal with that, Christina, that's must be hard. <laughs> it, I mean, uh, it, for a long time, I was very self-righteous about it. I was like, I know, I know what this is, right. I know whatever it is. And it's like, you just can't, you just can't do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's like, there's the kind of what I would call the social contract boundaries, which are really good to become familiar with in healthy places. You know, I ask people who have, who have more secure attachment than I do all the time. What is a healthy boundary? Right. Yeah. So even if it's not a therapist, I'm like, okay, is this a healthy boundary? Should I do something with this? And they're like, yeah, I would do that. And I'm like, great. Thank you. I'm mm -hmm. they're modeling for me. What are healthy boundaries? Like that, that kind of people who have less trauma do. And I'm like, okay, great. That feels great you know, and, but it's really important to recognize that the ones that you create on your own. So, you know, I never let anybody eat chocolate ice cream inside my house is something that is yours, right? 
it, you don't need to proselytize your boundary and say, this is the reason why no one should have chocolate inside my house, right? You don't, you know, I, I mean, it, assuming it's no allergy or something like that, you don't need to proselytize your boundary. You don't need other people to have your boundary to make you feel better about it. So, you know, that that's kind of, that was my only thought about it is just recognize that people are where they are in their growth pattern and like in their growth progress or their path or wherever they are, their embodiment. And we need to respect that. Mm-hmm. That's my Stephanie, thought. Yeah. Oh, Stephanie and I were talking about this with Eric yesterday and we were like, you know, what, what, when do you know that you should accept? And when do you know that you should put up a boundary? Right. And Eric's answer was interesting. He said that boundaries are like training wheels. And when you're in the 3d, you need boundaries and you need training wheels, but ultimately our goal is to get to the 5d, right? A little bypassy here on his behalf. Well, no, he's, he's saying, pull the 5d into the 3d. Well, pull he's the saying 5D into the body, pull right? the 5D the, he says that ultimately yeah. you want to get to the 5d where you accept everything, right? Just you accept everything and you don't need your boundaries anymore. But like everyone listening, take that with a grain of salt, because we are very much in the 3d world and do not bypass your need for boundaries because you think I need to be a 5d person. Like if you're in Texas, be in Texas, don't think that you're in Minnesota, right? Like, right. like know where you are be very honest with where you are and what you need. Like, don't be like, well, Buddha wouldn't have needed a boundary like this. Well, guess what? You're not fucking Buddha. You know, you're not Buddha. You're not Jesus. You can try to be like them, strive to be like them, but know where you are and, and use boundaries if that's what you need. And Eric also asked me, he said, let me ask you this. Have you made any mistakes? And I was like, yeah, a lot, a lot of mistakes. And he's like, well, do you regret any of them? And I said, well, no, I don't regret any of them because we agreed that there was always something to learn Mm -hmm. from that mistake. So, but yes, I mean, my training, I think I have more than training, training wheels. I think I have like two sets of training wheels, but my boundaries, I'm still learning, you know, on the other end for your listeners on the other end, I'm on the baby end of Anna and Christina and their journey. But just so you know, it gets better slowly, but surely if you keep working at it and you keep looking introspectively, and as Christina said, being in your body, feeling your body, feeling your body's reaction to things, you'll learn which boundaries are the most important to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of This Spiritual Fix. If you want to listen to the Luxury Dropout podcast or follow her on Instagram, it's at the Luxury Dropout or at Stephanie Joplin. And y'all buckle up because next week we're tackling the father wound. Stay tuned. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, Hey, TSF family. So in case you weren't aware, all of you are healers. We are all healers in the way that we do the work on ourselves so that we can show up better in the world. And by doing that, we model and every single one of you is doing that. We are all healers. We are all spreading our light. We are all addressing our shadows. And I just want to first say, way to go. I also want to say, If you feel stuck, I'm here. I do intuitive readings. I do intuitive clearings. I help the healers heal. Healing is the practice of integration in which we recognize and accept all parts of us so that we can love all parts of us. The more we love all parts of us, the more that we can love and accept and heal others. So in perpetuity, all TSF family will receive a 15% discount on their first sessions or healing sessions with me. I'm so grateful for y'all and I hope to see you soon. 
Use the code TSFFAMILY, all one word, for your discount. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.